Hey guys, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast for this very impromptu episode. Um, today I'm joined with uh, Nigel Baker, um, who is, um, I, I, I've heard your name mentioned so many times, especially when it came come to doing these, uh, these audio tours that we're doing. Um, uh, do, do you want to explain who, who you are and what you do and why you do it? Uh, I'm an archaeologist, I'm a field archaeologist, so I don't work in local government, uh, you know, I'm out uh, excavating sites, looking at buildings, that kind of thing. Um, I first came to Shrewsbury in 1978, just before I graduated. Uh, so you can tell I'm quite ancient, really. Uh, <laughs> and I've lived in the Shrewsbury area since '85, and I've written books about Shrewsbury, dug holes all over the town centre, uh, and. My speciality is historic towns, but it doesn't matter where I'm working, whether it's somewhere like Hereford or Worcester or Gloucester or Birmingham or Bristol. I always miss Shrewsbury because Shrewsbury is a fantastic place to to be an archaeologist and it's a fantastic place to just do your weekend shopping when you really appreciate the time depth of your surroundings when you're doing it. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. That you know, uh, I mean, I'm not from Shrewsbury originally. I've kind of lived here, there, and everywhere. But I've been here since 2017. Um, but I, I came here for a purpose. You know, I had a little one. Schools are great around here, and we got family around here. And as soon as I moved here, I just fell deep in love with the town, and which is why I do the Shrewsbury biscuit. I wanted to document my my love for the town. And what we hear a lot is, you know, whether people are born here, whether they come here, they always tend to come back. You know, they, this is one that's got a grip on people. And I guess it's got a lot to say about it. it's the beauty of the town, right? And like you said. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, first of all, uh, I want to apologise for today. <laughs> but, uh, this is, like I said, this is an impromptu episode. Um, me and Nigel met at the train station. We started doing the uh, the voice tours, uh, leading up to, to the castle. But we didn't realise that the, the castle was actually closed on the Thursday. Um, but I was saying to Nigel on the way up here that I'd love to get them get you in the biscuit and uh, on the biscuit and talk about uh, what you guys are doing at the castle, what have you, you have been doing at the castle, because it's important work. Um, so I was like, should we go to the studio instead of doing the voice tour? Since we can't do it, and um, thankfully you you accepted. So sorry for running you a merry dance today, but you know no it problem. is what it is. Um, so let's talk about the, the the digs that have been going on at the castle, um, because I wasn't a part of what happened last year. I couldn't really cover it as much because I wasn't as big. That I wasn't. Um, so talk us through that. Well, the story goes back a couple of years. Um, there is an organisation called the Castle Studies Trust, which is. Um, as you'd expect, uh, an organisation of castle enthusiasts and their membership, as far as I can see, is like one-third retired historians and archaeologists who are kind of into the subject, um, one-third, um, you know, working academics, and one-third people who uh, actually own castles. But they're united mm. by a common... Uh, lunacy, as it were. They're just passionate about castles and they, their organisation uh, gives annual grants to local bodies um, to explore and uh, promote their local castles. And a few years ago, the Castle Studies Trust came up on a, a visit to Shropshire to see some work being done by one of my colleagues in the council uh, at Cause Castle, I think, out, out west of Shrewsbury. And a few of them kind of snuck away from the general party uh, to have a look at Shrewsbury Castle because not much was known about it. There had never been an excavation in Shrewsbury Castle. Wow, that's a fascinating idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, but when it comes down to it, 
Um, for what it is, it's one of the best preserved examples anywhere in England. And what it is, it's one of the castles built right soon after the Norman Conquest in the 1060s by William the Conqueror and his army. Um, and we know that the Normans built castles. This is something you learn about in Morris in primary school. Yeah, yeah, um, but what, why they built castles was because there weren't many of them and they were terrified of insurrection. So, of course, they had to build castles in each of the old Saxon county towns that they occupied because those were potential centres of rebellion and insurrection. So every county town has a Norman castle in it, like sort of Exeter um, or Oxford or Gloucester, Bristol, York. They've all got castles. The thing is that most of these castles, because they're in uh, smaller or larger towns, they've been used for other things subsequently. So Chester Castle has got lots of 18th century court buildings. Gloucester Castle has got a jail on top of it. Worcester Castle was quarried away for, for gravel in the, about 1800. Hereford Castle, uh, that was quarried away for gravel and laid out, or the rest of it was laid out as kind of a nice park. But Shrewsbury Castle has more or less been left alone. It was a private residence um, after it had ceased to be a military fortress. And it just kind of sat there, and nobody, as far as we knew, did much to it. It was taken over by the Borough Council in 1925, but it's one of the best-preserved Norman earthwork Shire Town castles anywhere in the country, but nobody had ever had a look at it. So back to the Castle Studies Trust... They came on their visit to Shrewsbury and it knocked their socks off. So they determined to uh, find some local nutter to, you know, uh, you know, a, you know, a reputable archaeological uh, person is what I mean by that. To, uh, you know, to um, arrange an excavation and some research and and. Um, but basically, they gave us a grant. Is it one of these where you have to you have to sort of justify why you're going to be doing it? You have to find evidence to to do that back you back you up, basically. Oh, totally, totally. We have to justify everything. First of all, we have to justify everything to Shropshire Council, uh, who have been hugely supportive um, because Shropshire Council owned the site. You know, they yeah. are the landowners. And dig our ground up. We want to know why. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, making a mess of the wonderful lawns. I mean, the town council here does a fantastic job maintaining the castle in the finest tradition that was handed to them by the uh, Shropshire Horticultural Society. So you know, if you want to see really fine planting, um, you know, great horticulture, go to Shrewsbury Castle. So we had to convince Shropshire Council that it was a good. Uh, place to investigate but they were into it because they realized that they have a a monument an attraction that is perhaps a little bit underappreciated by people who who live here yeah and then we had to convince historic england because it's important enough that it's scheduled as an ancient monument under the 1979 act which means that you can't put a spade in the ground literally you can't put a spade in the ground without getting permission from the secretary of state represented by historic england so, you know, I had to go to work on colleagues in historic England and convince them, make a good case. 
Uh, and what I made a case for was doing a geophysical survey with a specialist company who were going to use ground-penetrating radar and various other methods to actually peer beneath the turf to see what was likely to be underground. And then we would come along as stage two, Me, basically we meaning myself and colleagues and volunteers, uh, particularly drawn from another excavation which I'd done for the National Trust a couple of years back. Um, to basically check out the results of the geophysical survey, and that's what we did last year in 2019. Yeah, what did that find? Well, the geophysical survey was done in May last year, and they found uh, clear evidence of ruined buildings in one or two spots, and then in the main part of the inner bailey, the lawn in front of the regimental museum, they found an area of kind of hard, dry material just under the turf, which they thought might be the spread about rubble from a ruined building. So we said, okay, that's going to be where we put our trench. We had enough money just for a single trench, and we did that with the volunteers and colleagues um, back in July. That was a big thing. It was, it was all over the press, local press. It was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, well, everybody's into it. You know, it's, it's like people forget about the castle, but, you know, once they're reminded about it, once they go back and visit it... I mean, the most common reaction we got from about 5,000 visitors we had when we, our two-week excavation was running was... Oh, I haven't been here for years, I'd forgotten all this was here, or I'd never been inside, I didn't think there was anything here for me, but it's absolutely fantastic, but it's all hidden away. Yeah, and are there gaps in, in Shrewsbury's history that uh, where you kind of like, I don't know, we don't know where that happened, or there's no explanation where these digs might actually have the answers to, is it? <laughs> Well, as I say, nobody had ever dug in Shrewsbury Castle yeah, so in, yeah. in, in the past. So it was like, you know, what we see are kind of earthworks and, and the, the, the sandstone walls. But was that all there was to it? Did, did it evolve or was it always like that? And of course the answer was, yeah, sure, it did evolve. And when it was first built, it looked very different to the way it does today. Yeah, of course. I mean, you explained to me as we were walking up Castle Street as uh, uh, how um, Castle Forgate, the big, the big castle, the way you explained about the is the bull's is it, which is that pub, the, the bull's head, the bull's head. Yeah, that it kind of slopes down because of the old the old, uh, that, the old defensive ditch. Yeah, the little signs like that that you can spot yeah. whilst you're out and about. Yeah, clever, really, really clever. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and you know how. Is there anything about the, the, the castle grounds that you look around and you think, that has been caused by this? Maybe. I'd love to have a look. The reason I ask is because um, while we were doing the, the, the tour of Old St. Chad's with, with Maggie, um, who's fantastic, by the way, um, she was saying, we believe that this is what happened. We believe that there was a bridge over towards the Gold Cross. We believe that, and, but we haven't been able to excavate, so we don't know. So it must be frustrating to see those signs, to, to have heard about those signs, but not be able to actually find the evidence yourself, which is why I ask, is, you know, around the castle grounds, is there something you look at and you're like, I wish I could just dig there? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, you know, it's one of those kind of classic archaeologists down the pub conversations, dare I say it. <laughs> you know, if, if you had the choice, uh, if you were like mayor of Shrewsbury or something like that with a huge budget, where would you most like to dig? And, you know, every archaeologist you talk to will have their kind of uh, mental hit list of 
places that they would really like to see the ground opened up. And the castle has been like that for me since I arrived here in the late 70s. Um, So, for instance, we know from Doomsday Book, compiled by William the Conqueror, that um, when Shrewsbury Castle was built, it had to demolish 51 households to, to make room for it. Wow. Which is like a fifth of the whole town. That's crazy. So it would just be wonderful, we thought, you know, to be able to dig somewhere in the castle or around the top of castle gates uh, and find evidence of one of those Saxon, you know, households, which is going to mean, you know, uh, like a house plot, a strip running back from the road with buildings on the street frontage, maybe a shop on the street frontage and a house behind, and then the the, the latrines at the back of the yard. Yes. To be able to find all that and what we'd call the material culture, basically the bits and bobs, the, the objects, the domestic rubbish that goes with that kind of household. And it'd be fantastic, you know, to see a few of those. So, you know, from that point alone, you know, kind of extrapolating from what Doomsday said, Shrewsbury Castle always looked like it was going to be a bit of a gem if we could ever get our hands on it. But the problem was permission and funding. Um, The Castle Studies Trust gave us the funding. The Shropshire Council and Historic England gave us permission. So with the ammunition of the Geophysical Survey... Last July, we took up the turf in the lawn in front of the Regimental Museum, um, a 10-metre by 3-metre trench, and that was the first ever archaeological kind of peeling back the sort of the, the icing on the cake to see what it's actually made of. Was it a success for you guys? It was a total success, but it was one of those... Uh, archaeology can drive you completely crazy kind of stories <laughs> in that... Um, you never know what it's like ask a builder you never if you're digging if you're digging anywhere you never know what you're going to find underground and it's like that with archaeology the best geophysics in the world don't prepare you for what you're actually going to eyeball once you've got a spade in your hand and you've taken the top layer of soil off and thus it was with the castle excavation so we peeled off the turf Um, which was really, really thick, 200-year-old turf. And then there was this gravel underneath. And we looked at this gravel and thought, well, first of all, the geophysicists got it a bit wrong. We've been expecting the demolished buildings, the ruins of demolished buildings, the rubble from demolished buildings, and whatever we had, it wasn't that. And when we looked at this layer of gravel, we thought, well, maybe it's a road. For a few days, we thought we had a road. And then about day five, we began to realise what was going on. And we were really dismayed to realise that we actually had, over most of the site, no archaeology left at all. And the gravel was actually the hilltop on which the castle was built. It was the natural glacial gravel, which Um, underlies the whole of Shrewsbury town centre. No point in going underneath that. No, 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 you'd have to go down hundreds of feet and you'd end up, you know, down in old red sandstone or something like that. But what we found was that this layer of gravel... Um, or this this natural gravel had been punctured by holes in various places and that was what was left of the archaeology and the biggest hole of all uh, was like right out in the middle of the lawn and that was a big cut and it just went down and down and down and we never got anywhere near the bottom of it 
But putting together our excavation results with the geophysics, it became obvious that we were looking at an absolutely socking great defensive ditch that once went around the base of the mott. The mott being the large earth mound with timber growing on it and Laura's Tower on the top of it. You know, it was the epicentre of the, the Norman Castle. It was the, it was the, you know, the final strong point he would have had a watchtower on the top from which the Normans, you know, remember the insurrection-fearing Normans, you know, they would have been on the top of the mot on a watchtower and they could have seen anything that moved and sent somebody off to get reinforcements. Um, it was the last strong point and it was much more strongly fortified as a castle immediately after the conquer- conquest than we'd ever given it credit for. So you didn't just have an earth mound with a watchtower on the top of it. You had this fantastic, deep, uh, dry ditch all the way around the base of the mortars, uh, as well as that. So when today you walk in through the main gate into the inner bailey and you see that wonderful manicured lawn... Uh, that's not real, that's not there. You have to imagine that away as something like a big open cast quarry. Instead, everything designed to deter attackers and make them realise that there was no way they were going to take... yeah. No, there was no way they were going to take the castle and live, basically. Fantastic. Wow, that's so fascinating. It really is. And, you know... Wait. Be, sorry, go on, go on. Sorry, it, it got better, actually. Um, I mean, one of the questions about the castle is, you know, you've got this hilltop overlooking the town gate. Uh, We know that the Saxons were living in the area because Doomsday Book tells us that a lot of houses had to be demolished for the castle. But what was happening on the actual castle site itself? Um, Was there anything going on there? And to cut a long story short, we found a rubbish pit. Uh, which we excavated, and we uh, found uh, various pieces of ancient earthenware pottery in it, and we sent those off to the expert, and her report came back last December and said, well, basically, you've got two different kinds of Anglo-Saxon pottery. Um, one of them uh, was a type of pottery made in kilns in Stafford, which we kind of know about, because when you do excavations in Shrewsbury Town Centre, once you get into the Saxon period, that's the kind of standard pottery that you get round here. It came, I suppose, in a horse and cart, you know, mm. over the roads from Stafford. But the one that we hadn't seen before was a kind of pottery from Gloucester, uh, which is identifiable because it's got little bits of Cotswold limestone used as a grit in the clay, which under a microscope you can tell where they came from. And that's the kind of pottery never before seen in Shrewsbury Town Centre, uh, which must have come up river by boat, which makes me as a canoeist very happy because I love to, you know, love to gather evidence for the use of a river um, in antiquity for trading and that sort of thing. Um, but it was also our first hard archaeological evidence that there was something happening on the site of the castle back even before the Normans got here. So that could be anything. It could be anything from trade to, to important people coming, visiting. That's well, good. I, I think there is a story there, and this, this is coming on to why we're digging again this year, is that there's been, a bit of a, there's been a bit of a developing story in archaeology over the last 20 years. Uh, it's not something you hear much about because people are still trying to figure out what exactly was going on. But quite often, when you dig a Norman Morton Bailey castle, you find evidence that there was something important on the site beforehand. 
Like, the Normans didn't come along, think, this is a dodgy situation, we need to protect ourselves and establish a garrison, let's just run up a castle where it's most convenient. <laughs> they were also making a statement. So if there was an existing Saxon manor house, they would tear it down and this cover it. This is ours it. now. It's yeah. ours now. Yeah. Well, you've got a new boss, you've got a new landlord, and don't think about, you know, taking, taking the mick. Um, you know, don't yeah. think about trying to, you know, uh, you know, get rid of our guys with any kind of violence mm-hmm. because you'll be dead if you do. So, you know, again and again, there are clues that uh, Norman castles stand on what are actually more ancient Anglo-Saxon high-status sites, and I think that's what's going on on Shrewsbury Castle as well. Fascinating. Oh, that's so fascinating. Honestly. Oh, I love that. Um, you mentioned uh, your river architecture. I, I was fascinated by that. Um, canoeing architecture, should I say. Archaeology. Archae- architecture. Ar- archaeology, sorry. Yeah. My, my head's been frazzled by the sun. I'm going to leave that in just to show you guys <laughs> that we have just been wandering up and down Castle Street and I'm a bit, we've it's got hard. cold drinks right now, just refreshing. Our, yeah, the uh, archaeology uh, that you do on the river. Um, what's that about? Explain, explain. Well, of course, as you know, Shrewsbury is the town in the loop. And it has always used the river. For as long as Shrewsbury has been here, and Shrewsbury has been here one form or another for, and here he starts counting his <laughs> fingers, well, since about 700 AD. So, uh, what's that, 1300 years? Yeah. Um, Shrewsbury has been here for an awful long time and in that time the river has always been a big deal it was probably why Shrewsbury was first founded here and it wasn't Shrewsbury wasn't founded as a town at first it began as a series of monasteries and we're actually sitting within the bounds of one right now in the basement of a parade Um, because uh, what seems to have happened is Shrewsbury began with two kind of competing monasteries on each on a hilltop. St Mary's on one hilltop, and we're in the, the enclosure that would have surrounded St Mary's Church. And then on the other hilltop, um, <laughs> you have Old St Chad's on the corner of Princess Street on Belmont. And Belmont, uh, sorry, Old St Chad's on that hilltop was founded by one of the Anglo Saxon bishops of Litchfield. So it's like the bishop had his personal monastery, the king had his personal monastery, and they looked across the, the valley between them, where the high street goes. Uh, and, you know, Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury was a town of, of little monastic establishments. And they kind of coalesced, and traders were attracted to them, and manufacturing was attracted to the site, and that's basically, we think, how Shrewsbury grew as a town. Wow. And the river is a big key to that, yes, of course. Yeah, um, I mean, early monasteries like to be a little bit cut off from the world. Not totally cut off, but just enough to keep the outside world at bay um, and to remind them of the very first monasteries which ever existed, which was back, you know, in what we would call Roman times in the North African desert, where, you know, people who sought a monastic existence went off into the wilderness to be by themselves. So the early monastic sites have that sort of semi-detached situation, and Shrewsbury is a classic for these kind of establishments. But the thing is that... 
having been, as it were, a barrier between these monasteries and the outside the world, as trading developed, so uh, it's likely that trade uh, developed on the river because it was an easy way of access up and down the Midlands and, you know, to uh, foreign countries as well. Um, so for at least a thousand years, the River Severn was a like a, a commercial motorway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, you know, we know a lot about that in the 18th century and the 19th century from the historical evidence. But there's a lot of history when you only have the archaeological evidence for the use of rivers for that sort of purpose. And that's, that's a story which is going to take many centuries yeah, to get yeah, to the I bottom imagine, of. Yeah. Um, and then people used the river for food. So there was, you know, there were fish traps on the river. There was a big fish trap across the river uh, just below Coton Hill, long gone, of course. I think it was still there in the 18th century. Um, people used the river for drinking water, particularly poor people. Um, you know, there would be dipping places where people would go to wash their clothes and also to get water to, you know, take home to drink and to cook with. And sadly, of course, simultaneously, the river was also used as a sewer. So, you know, we know that that Shrewsbury had a huge tanning district all the way down Barker Street. The Barkers, of course, being the guys who used oak bark for tanning. Um, And tanners were notorious uh, as polluters because... You know, they have all the liquor that they steep hides in to get the hair off and the fat off. Um, Basically making a lot of use of of excrement and urine and oak bark for its preservative qualities and all these kind of substances. And when they'd finished, these would all get flung in the the local watercourse. So... I mean, it's something I tell people on the canoe tour of it. It's this delicious irony. You know, when you go to the restaurant district, as it's called now, down Victoria Avenue in Shrewsbury, you know, very polite, you know, it's a lovely place, you know, to sit and have a drink overlooking a river. But only 150 years ago, that was a notorious pollution black spot known mm. as the muck holes or the mud holes because a lot of tanning waste went into the river at exactly that point. Was there something about stonewashing as well? Or was there, there something, I don't know. I keep mentioning this. People keep looking at me like I'm mental. But <laughs> I remember reading something that uh, the waters were discoloured for, for washing stones or a quarry. Or, obviously, it was a quarry originally, but... You've, uh, you've got me there, I have I'm to probably say. making this up. I'm sure I read it somewhere. I'm sure I'm, I'm probably got yeah. I mean, you know, there are lots of dyers in Shrewsbury yeah. as well. And, you know, <laughs> I, I dare say at certain times, you know, the river would have run purple with all the, the madder from, you know, dying. You know, because, of course, Shrewsbury is a big cloth working Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, um, so don't, don't listen to me, guys. I'm not a, a qualified archaeologist. Um, now, the river has obviously been uh, uh, changed over 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 the over the centuries, manipulated by nature and by humans themselves, or the weir and things like that. Is, can you see? Is it hard? Does that make it harder to find? Um, you know, find finds and, and and clues as to Shrewsbury's history with all this manipulation. Over a time? little bit, certainly. Certainly, the weir. Uh, yeah. I mean, the weir went in. I think about 1910. And the idea of putting the weir in was to raise water level all around Shrewsbury Town Centre because before the weir was there, um, the riverbed was exposed. So if, you know, with a summer like this, 
you know, we'd have just seen a trickle of water going around Shrewsbury. There'd be no Sabrina boat, that's for sure. No, no, it wouldn't have been deep enough to, yeah. to get, a, get a vessel like that around. Um, you know, even as a canoeist, you have to sometimes get out and walk and pull a boat behind you to get it over gravel bars. And again, that was a problem with pollutants going into the river. So if you can imagine a river full of lots of little islands, little gravel banks with scrub growing on them, and then if you add into that... Um, some tanners waste you know with a lot of a lot of excrement in yeah. there as well uh, you wouldn't see the river for clouds of flies in, on, now, on yeah, a day yeah. like this it would be fairly fairly horrible foul <laughs> wow um, that's fascinating though I, lo- I love that did you say you do tours as well and then once a year or you know um, I, I, I have done them uh, with Drummond Outdoors we do do the loop tours yeah. and I think if you google do the loop dot org you'll get details um, but sadly with everything that's going on having you know mm. a bunch of people from several households all together in a single boat isn't a runner at the moment so yeah. I, i've done one tour with a group of people who all came in individual boats um, but that's been it this year yeah i mean i i was speaking to nigel from uh, shrewsbury canoe hire uh, a few weeks ago great chap great chap and he said he does a, a tour for like a couple of days, all the way down the seven, all the way down the seven. Um, I, I'm not a strong canoeer. I, last time I canoe was about 15, 15 years old. Um, but I would, that sounds so fascinating. I'd love to just do that. Bam, you know. He said there's difficult parts of the of the river, but you know, it's doable. Um, so is it, I've got to ask you this question: Is there anywhere in Shrewsbury you look at and you think oh, I would just love to dig here? All sorts of places. Yeah, where, yeah. where would you your, your top? places where would well, you well I mean I'm, I've got to do it I mean you know I, I'm getting to do it is what I mean uh, Shrewsbury Castle this year yeah um, of course yeah 1st uh, of September to uh, 18th of September we're having a day off there's a wedding on uh, September the 11th Friday the 11th but apart from that we're working you know through the week and the weekends between 1st and 18th of September and it's the spot in the castle which I have to say is just about the most intriguing spot to 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 dig on that I can think of anywhere in the town, apart from maybe Old St Chad's. Yeah, and I think you know Maggie Love was right. Yeah. That is a fantastic, fantastic church site. Yeah, but the spot we're going to come back to uh, this September is where the Victorian greenhouses stood in the castle, and you may think. Why on earth would somebody want to dig up the remains of Victorian greenhouses? And the answer is because we don't want to do too much damage to this monument. It's not like it's going to be, you know, demolished for a motorway or something like that. You know, it's <laughs> unthreatened. So we're looking to investigate the castle, but doing the least possible damage while we're about it. So we're going to pick this spot where the Victorian greenhouses were cut into the rampart. Uh, so it's already partly compromised by previous structures, but it's also the point at the castle which kind of looms over the old outer gate where the Bull's Head pub is. Oh, okay, so yeah. So if you stand at the back of a Bull's Head and look up, you can see the curtain walls of the castle above you, and they kink outwards at that point, and a spine wall, part of the old medieval town wall, runs down through the back of the pub. And we're going to be digging just inside that, which is basically the point where the medieval outer-town defences connect with the castle. And that's where we would expect to find some kind of Anglo-Saxon defensive structure, if there was one. 
Wow. That's fascinating. That is fascinating because that is an important point. It's an important part of the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it is it's furthering this investigation as to what exactly was going on on that site before the Norman conquest, um, and I hope that one of the things we'll find in the course of that is the old castle chapel of St Michael. Ah, yeah, um, it, which it, which is you know part of the history of that particular area within the castle. We think. But it hasn't been seen since 1500 and something, so you can never be sure. But we have the Burley map of Shrewsbury, um, you know, this fantastic, it's the earliest image of Shrewsbury town centre. Um, it's a bird's eye view, basically. Uh, it's, it's a kind of bird's eye view stroke map, and it was made in the 1570s. And when you look at Shrewsbury Castle, um, there is a little ruined building on the spot that we're going to be digging on. And everyone's assumed for years that that was going to be the Castle Chapel of St. Michael. So we're going to check it out. Yes, can people come and watch you dig? There's going to be like places where people can watch? Yes, absolutely. We'll be on site from, you know, we'll be open from about 10 o'clock until 5 o'clock, um, seven days a week, apart from our one day off when somebody, and congratulations to them, <laughs> are getting married. How dare you disrupt the work? How selfish of you. But no, congratulations. No, 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 I'm joking. Terrific. And um, uh, yeah, and it's going to be laid out so that we can accommodate visitors safely. So I'm afraid we'll have a, like a one-way system. Yeah, of course, um, social but, distancing. Yeah, um, but you know the fences will be set back a little further from the edge of the dig than would normally be the case. But you'll be able to look down the hole, and most importantly, you'll be able to you know talk to the diggers and talk to the supervisors and find out what's just been found. And then somewhere, we hope, um, just in the interior of the, just on the lawn below the, where we're going to have the excavation, we'll have a little marquee up. Um, so we do all our finds processing, basically scrubbing the mud off bits of pottery we find. Mm-hmm. That all happens kind of in public. So you can wander up to the, the finds processing point and talk to whoever's on finds washing duty and, and, and see what is actually what objects are coming out of the trenches at that particular moment and i know you guys are incredibly qualified and you guys know what you're doing but is there any way people can get actually get involved is it, do you need any help from people volunteers for anything uh well sadly um i i sort of put the word out amongst <laughs> the people i knew i i had worked with before or who i knew were interested and 24 hours later i had an excavation crew so we're not looking for volunteers at the moment. That's good, that's fine. And I'm afraid, you know, this, we've had two bites of our Castle Studies Trust cherry, and i bit reluctant to try yeah. it for a third time. I think they would <laughs> say, no, no, you're, 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 you're taking the mick. Um, Fantastic. But, yeah, I'm really excited. I will definitely, if we can, I'll turn up with some cameras, not cameras, some microphones, and we can speak to you guys as you do. I know you'd be busy, but I'd love to cover it with a biscuit. I'd love to... Um, speak to some of your your people on your team that would be just amazing certainly yeah Um, uh, question Um, don't get offended Uh, anybody that's listening Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury this is the the question I get asked a lot Uh, you're asking an archaeologist (laughs) so just to be a pain I'll say Scrobbers Birig (laughs) Scrop is buried. I like that. Well, which is which is the original one of the original spellings? It's the first English spelling is Scrobbers Birig. The first spelling, the first 
The first time the place name occurs, it's in Latin, so that doesn't count. <laughs> the first time it's in English, it's Scrobbersbury, which means the fortified place in the district of the scrub, which means, you know, a sandy hillside covered with, you know, blackberries, uh, and somebody's built a fort there. That's what Shrewsbury means, the fortified place in the scrub. Um, wow. So, given that's the original, if you want to say Shrewsbury, that's fine. If you want to say Shrewsbury, that's fine too. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, I want that. What is it again? Scrobbersbury. 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 We're going to change the name to the Scrobbersbury Biscuit podcast. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Nigel, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm, again, I apologize for, for today, um, but I'm really grateful that you came to the studio to speak to, to me today. It's been uh, really fantastic finding out about you. And hopefully we can carry on with these voice tours at some time and uh, get these finished. But, Great pleasure. Um, do you want to give people a shout out to any websites or anything that people can see what you get up to um, your opportunity to I think if you check out um, Shrewsbury Castle and the Shropshire Council website and Twitter feed and Facebook page Castle has a Facebook page the council is doing a fantastic job as they did last year you know looking after us from the sort of social media point of view and that's probably the best way to get at us fantastic you've been an amazing guest really I'm, I'm privileged to have spoken to you um guys that was a fantastic episode uh, i think you'll agree this was recorded at biscuit studios in the parade um make sure you come and have a look here there's lots changing lots of new people coming in the place is very vibrant at the moment there's a nice feel to it so if you're looking for somewhere to come in that's cool and we've got lots of nice little shops make sure you check out the parade um, you can also check out our website, which is www.theshrewsburybiscuitpodcast.co.uk. All of our audio is available on there, and you can get in touch with us from that website too. We are looking for people that want to take advantage of our audio space. Um, there are There is uh, slots for advertisement if you're interested. So if you want to have your business or your event or your thing attached to the Shrewsbury Biscuit, get in touch, and we will speak to you. Thank you very much for joining me again, Nigel. This has been a great show. Catch you guys next time. Peace out.